Hello and welcome to RA's Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for choosing us. This week, I'm here to share with you a really lovely chat that I had with one of the happiest chaps in dance music, the much-loved Patrick Topping. I I am pretty buzzing most of the time, to be honest. Like, no, I like, love that. <laughs> I uh, well, I'm living my dream. Do you know what I mean? It, like, mm. it is it is my dream, and I am so happy to be doing it. And it, it's something I did pursue. It's not something that I fell into. You know what I mean? Like, I I went for this. I feel like this interview came at a really special time in Patrick Topping's career. He's spending the summer in Ibiza for a nine-week residency, his very first, at DC10. He's had this long-term affinity to the island and it clearly means so much to him being out there. Um, He's also very well-placed to give us an update on the ground about how things are in Ibiza post-pandemic. As you're about to hear, we also discuss his roots in the genre Makina, dance music's wellness boom, sober DJing and his relationship to social media as an artist. Stay tuned at the end as well for what may or may not be a debut album announcement. I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Patrick Topping on RA's Exchange. Hello, you all right? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, Would you tell everyone where you are today? Yeah, so I'm in Ibiza. I'm in a a house. I'm I'm living here for the first time in my life, so I'm I'm pretty content. Living the dream. Yeah. We're going to get into why you're in Ibiza this summer very, very soon. Um, I thought a nice way to start off our chat would be to dive into your your origins your musical background I was wondering if you could share with us your earliest memory that is connected to either sound or to music yeah so it was basically just anything my dad was playing when I was younger um REM shiny happy people that's like my favorite song ever just because it just reminds us of being a really young kid and uh, that's like mine and my dad's song so it was really whatever he was playing I was into and uh, he was quite into dance music and stuff. He was very varied with all these all these music he was into. He was actually di- director of a, a North Tyneside Council, had its own little free music festival. And uh, as part of his job in the council, he was director of that. And they had quite big acts there, people like Bob Geldof and Jules Holland and the Whalers, Bob Marley's band and stuff like that. So he was like really passionate about music. So... That, I think, really set us on this path. And then, so yeah, it was just that originally. And then I, I think the first music I bought was a cassette of Two Unlimited, No, no Limit. Um, yeah, I think that was the first thing I owned. And then I can remember like buying CDs like The, the Prodigy, Fat of the Land, and Chemical Brothers, Dig Your Own Hole stuff like that but I w- but also at the same time it wasn't just all dance music I was literally into like uh, that's what I call music CDs you know just the pop compilations and stuff like that and I guess it got onto like rap music Eminem the Marshall Mathers LP and to this day rap music still what I listen to the most really I, and uh, it's not my favorite because my favorite is electronic and dance music but when I'm just relaxing it's it's more like rap music yeah, but then it wasn't when I went to high school that I um, really got obsessed by dance music because that's when I got exposed to uh, a subgenre called uh, Makina music. And it was the, uh, a nightclub, a famous nightclub in the Northeast called The New Monkey. And at that time at school in the Northeast, that's what every kid would listen to. And to this day, actually loads of kids still listen to that in the Northeast. So... That's when I really got it, got into dance music. Ah, oh, yes. Um, could you describe that genre for people who might not have heard of it? Yeah, Makina. So it's known as Spanish techno around the northeast, but it's like a hundred and at the very lowest, one hundred and forty BPM up to really one hundred and eighty BPM. 
going on to even 190 BPM and it's like it's basically happy hardcore um, and it started in um, Valencia in Spain and it was big there and then there was some Northeast DJs who then travelled there and brought back vinyls and then created this subculture in the Northeast where people would DJ Makina music but with Northeast MCs on top and then when you were in school everyone would be passing tapes around of the recordings of the new monkey club and um yeah that was what really got 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 us into dance like really yeah and then i still love that music now i still now and again will occasionally drop a makina song in into my set if the if it feels right and then i've actually done a few makina only sets as well which is always a mad experience and then when i I actually played in Baraka, the techno club in um, Valencia, and that, that's been going around since the Makina days of the 90s. So then I ended up playing some Makina then, everyone just, just went mad. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how my earliest encounters with music, really. I love hearing about that. Um, so I'm hearing a bit of like a Spanish affinity yeah me. Um, and also really nice to hear that your dad was responsible for like facilitating bringing music to like groups of people like large numbers of people in the area um, which is kind of what you're doing now um, can you tell everyone all about why you're in Ibiza this summer what are you up to what's your main focus yeah so yeah because my dad was sorry just to go back to that my dad was doing that and I think because I started promoting in Newcastle, I was I was a promoter, putting on local, bringing local house and not putting on local DJs, but bringing in international house and techno acts to to Newcastle from like two thousand and nine, I think. Yeah, I think we started in two thousand nine. So, yeah, maybe it's my dad doing that got me on this path of being a promoter because he was essentially a promoter doing that. So yeah, and then that's led to where we are now, which is um, I mean, to be fair, because I've got my debut residency, yeah, which is uh, something I'm just absolutely buzzing about. So we're doing DC10 every Friday in July and August with my record label trick. And it's my, it's my first time having a headline residency on the island. And yeah, I'm just absolutely buzzing about it. Um, so we had, week, we had the opening party last week, week one, and it went really well. And it was just uh, an absolute dream. And then we've got the second one tomorrow night. and. Thankfully, that's looking, I think, ticket-wise, even better than the first one. So we're, we're off to a good start. And it's just, yeah, it's just something I've been working towards for most of my career, really. If it, this feels like the, the pinnacle of my career at the moment because it's just DC10, isn't it? It's so iconic. And I've wanted to do something in Ibiza for years. And then to, um, to do it at DC10 just feels perfect. and it, it feels the the perfect venue for me to do as well because I've actually been playing at DC10 for Paradise and sometimes for Cirque Logo since 2013. So DC10 to me is it's it's nearly like my local pub. Like I've been in DC10 more times over the last few years and I actually have my local pub. I swear to God, because I, I used to play like five, six times a, a summer from paradise. And, and then, so I'm so at home here. So it feels the perfect place and the, the, the next uh, evolution of where of what I would do in Ibiza. So I'm just so grateful that they wanted to do it with us. And it's, it's also like the perfect venue for me in Ibiza because it's really music-led. It's not full of tables everywhere. I think there's actually two tables at the back and I literally forgot they even existed till I was there the other day and I, 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 when you're there when the doors aren't open and stuff because it's re- mainly is like a music-led venue in, in Ibiza like pr- probably the most uh, of the big clubs I would say so it's just the perfect place to be doing it and um, yeah I'm just buzzing about it. <laughs> so nice that you're able to like really enjoy this moment and see it as like a really high point in your career 
as it's happening rather than just like you know when you're sort of focused tunnel vision trying to get through things and then you look back and you're like wow that was great but it sounds like you're already enjoying it now which is actually really unusual for me to hear <laughs> well it has been it has been a used project to get to this point like this this whole putting it together has been the biggest project me and my team have ever been involved in and um yeah i'm i'm uh, i am buzzing now and to, to be honest i was ill the day after dc10 and like uh, that was just like exhaustion and stuff and then i ended up getting food poisoning and then i finally feel back to my normal self today so yeah i am really happy and now i'm on a bus thinking about how good it was and um yeah i'm looking forward to, to the summer but it, it's been a big uh, a big project to put it together because doing um well, I used to be a promoter and then I started DJing and it's so much easier going to DJ for someone else because you don't have to worry about all, all the promotion, you know what I mean? So now we're back in, the, in that seat of uh, promoting and there's just so much that that entails. And then in Ibiza as well, putting together, um, promoting here is different. You need to bring in a, a big team to, to help put it together. And um, I think every one of my team's been working so hard on it so we're just so happy to see that that it's been worthwhile and it's off to a good start and yeah we're just really buzzing about the way it's coming together because the lineup that's a really hard thing to do in Ibiza because it's so competitive and everybody has affiliations or residencies or exclusivities and stuff like that and then we, we are also on a Friday which is I mean Ibiza is seven days a week so if you book in midweek, it's a lot easier because if you're on a Friday, you're competing against clubs and festivals around the world. So it was quite hard to do it. And it was like a jigsaw, jigsaw puzzle to get it together. But we've done it. And um, I'm so happy with the lineup because we've got a lot of the label acts represented there, which was key for me. I wanted to have that because I want to obviously have the vibe of what we're about musically as a label. But then also... It's not just exclusively label acts are always bringing in guests who, who I love. And we've got like loads of originators from the, the US there. People like Kevin Saunderson, um, D, DJ Minx, Dennis Ferrer. Um, and then who else have we got? Then we've got like loads of people who have released on the label, but they're not really residents. People like Eats Everything and Andre Olivia and Denton Pika, loads of people like that. And then also it was important to have a diverse lineup and have a positive gender balance on there. And that was something which was, we worked really hard at to, to get that. And I'm really happy with who we've managed to get on, on each week. And um, yeah, it, it's been a mission, but like overall, we're really happy with it. Mm, yes I noticed that and even just the balance of like booking obviously these huge names and like exciting emerging acts like I saw you had Amara um, can you describe what it's like to be able to facilitate a moment like that for someone who's like an emerging artist that you really believe in yeah well that was really cool on Friday that was one of the best things on Friday actually because uh, we had Amara who um, she had a debut release on on trick and um she's been playing a few shows and she's she's come through and uh, she's starting to get bookings throughout the uk she's doing well and then to see her on friday she had that main room packed and early on and i felt proud of her and i said i said that to her and that, that was a really nice moment so that's been that's been a struggle as well because we're now on 50 releases of the label so it's hard to include everyone and every gig and we haven't been able to get everyone on and but we've managed to get quite a lot on and I, I love doing that and I love that's what the label's really more about more we've put out a lot of music from up and coming people there's been a lot of releases that have been people's first ever release they've never released on any record label before and I, I don't know off the top of my head but I, I reckon maybe it's about 10 artists so far have had their debut release on, on, on Trick so that's something I'm really proud of and it's a nice, nice feeling. And it's something I experienced myself because Jamie did that with me and he, he, at Hot Creations in Paradise and he gave me my break. So yeah, it's, it's really nice to be able to do that for a few. 
Mm. Well, let's hear a little bit about the kind of evolution of Trick as a label and as a party as well. How old is it now? So we started it in 2019. So it's not that old. And to be honest, I actually wanted to start it way before that. Um, and my, I always wanted to start my own thing in Ibiza for like quite a few years. And my, my team was like, no, no, wait, you're getting ahead of yourself. Wait, just wait, it'll be better. And I'm so glad we did wait because I've managed to go in at DC 10, which is just like a dream for me. Uh, so yeah, that was a good call by them, I think. But I was just getting excited because Ibiza has always been a strong place for me to play because early on in my career, in 2014, I had that song, Forget, which won the award of being track of the season. And then ever since then, it's, all, it's always been strong when I played places. And that's so maybe I got a bit ahead of myself, but um, I'm glad we waited. But yeah, I mainly started it as um, somewhere just to release my own music, because up until that point, I had been mainly releasing with Hot Creations. I had released on some, on some other labels, but um, quite a lot of the output I'd been putting out was very much just house, vocally house and tech housey stuff. And I had been making and playing a wider variety of music than that. But because the the labels I was released on, it was, that was their sound. So they were only really taking a certain type of stuff from me and not taking the other stuff. So that I was sitting on all this other stuff, which was more kind of, Tech, techno and he- heavier stuff so it just felt right to then start the label and then also at the same time I was accumulating all these demos of people who were sending me stuff and I didn't have a label and I was just thinking like this would be amazing and I just amassed all this great music so the combination of those two things I was like this just seems the right occasion so then yeah then we started it like that and then now it's gone on to, it's just done over 50 50 releases and um yeah i couldn't be happy about the way it's going and yeah we started the events as well around about the same yeah around the same time in 2019 and i think it was um it was better to wait as well because i had a i had more of a profile as a dj so we're able to do to do bigger events and have a better platform for artists coming through and stuff like that so yeah so the events got off to a really good start and then they just kind of snowballed and to, to where we are now, where we're doing, um, doing this DC 10 uh, nine weeks in a row. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, yeah, speaking of Ibiza, you are out there this summer. I feel like you're kind of an Ibiza expert in a way as well. I feel like a lot of people yeah. have <laughs> consulted on Ibiza with you. Um, and yeah, I just want to know what's it like this year? Like how, how different are things post pandemic? Like what's, what's the vibe? Yeah, well, I've, I do love Ibiza. Ibiza has been a huge part of my story and shaping who I am as an artist, as a DJ. That's not the case for everyone. Like Everyone's on different paths and not, Ibiza isn't always a, a part of everyone's journey who's in electronic music. I know loads of people who are avid electronic music fans, uh, they, but they don't go to Ibiza. It's, it's not their thing. But for me, Ibiza has always been like, the ultimate for me. So to, to do a residency here has always been a dream and to live here has always been a dream, but I, I never actually have lived here before until now. Even though a lot of my friends have done seasons and stuff like that, and I nearly did seasons here. I've spent a lot of time here because I, I've come on holiday like every year and I, I take a lot of gigs here and I always have and I like to spend extra time here if I can. But uh, you have never done a season until until this year. I, I was going to do seasons when I was younger, but um, I think at the time when my best mate did one, I had literally just started going out with Hayley, who, who's my wife. We've been together for like 15 years. And because um, I, was, I was away at university in Edinburgh, so we're doing the long distance thing. So then it felt a bit much to then in the summer then go away to Ibiza and leave her as well. So I never did the seasons. And then when I left university, I then had friends doing seasons as well. And I was going to potentially do one then. But I, uh, I decided 
to go back home to my mom's house and just concentrate on making music after university and really learn that. And I'm so glad I did that because I know loads of people who do seasons and they come over with all the good intentions are. They're going to be making music every day, but most people I know just end up getting wrecked and like every day and party. And it's not really that it it can be a bit of a dangerous place because with the hedonism and the, the, the amount of options there is to just go out every single day, every single night, it's, it, it can be a wild place. And I've had a lot of fun here over the years with, with friends, parties and stuff like that. But, now a beef at the maze just um obviously when i play here at a gig it's a party place but aside from the gigs it's a really relaxing place and um i'm just i'm not really planning on going to any other nights when i'm here i just want to chill do work and just be productive and when i'm here because a beef is um beef is really good for that side as well so yeah, the clubs haven't been open for a few years, so it's um it's a bit different from what from what it was like. And um, but from what I've heard, I've been speaking to people in uh who work for airlines and people who work with um uh, who have Airbnbs or people in the uh, hotel industry and stuff. And everyone seems to be telling us that the numbers are up on even like the busiest previous years and stuff so everyone's saying that the island is so busy which is great and um i've heard so many people say they've been over here and the island's absolutely buzzing and um that's just amazing because i wasn't sure like what was going to happen like with the, the big gap so that's class so i do think the island seems to be doing really well but also at the same time i think there's more now more um music options and then I, I don't know if this is true or not but just from just looking at it, it seems like there's so much going on. I know there's um so many great nights and there's like the landscape's changed as well because there's so many different there's so many new nights, so many new brands, DJs have jumped clubs and all this and uh, it's exciting. It's a uh, it, yeah, it feels it does feel real exciting and I'm just happy to to be part of it really nice. Well, it's good to hear that there's still an appetite for Ibiza, but also it sounds like things are you know a little bit fresh as well at the same time yeah 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 i think so it feels really exciting it doesn't like it still feels i've come back here it's, and it still feels as as exciting as ever to me I, I love it yeah you kind of mentioned the um sort of wellness side of ibiza as well in a way um and there's been this kind of explosion of thinking about wellness and considering well-being in the electronic music world as well kind of since the pandemic and that's heavily affiliated to like the other side of Ibiza too is there anything that yeah. you've learned to put into your routine um as you've kind of become a more and more experienced touring DJ and how do you kind of take care of your physical and emotional well-being whilst you're playing these huge shows and feeling that adrenaline yeah, totally. This is a huge part of who, of who I am now, really. I, because when I first started DJing, right, it was just a hobby, obviously. And when we were doing it, we were just having fun. We were just going to the club, getting fucked, going to someone's house, continuing that. And it was always under the influence. And DJing for me was always just a hedonistic experience. So then when I, started putting on my own parties it was a continuation of that and then when I started getting booked to places I just continued with that like I'd never ever had DJed sober and uh, uh, DJing sober wasn't they didn't put two and two together so when my career first started taking off it was just a whirlwind for me I was just getting on it all the time so the first I would say when I first released a song in 2013 and then it really took off quite quickly from there I was really lucky the way the way it went and um I was DJing because I actually did my first I'd been DJing around Newcastle since 2009 so it was always just like messy when I was doing it and then when I started then doing my first um 
I would say like a professional gig, like when I, off the back of my release, when people started booking me instead of me booking myself around Newcastle or just doing favors for like other local promoters around Newcastle, when I actually started taking off and it was becoming a career, that was like 2013. And uh, that was, so I was always just, yeah, I wasn't thinking about my health at all. And it was actually at the massive detriment of my health. And that, that continued, I would say, until about 2017. So for four years, I was touring the world in the most unhealthy way, um, doing three or four gigs a week, drinking, partying. And it was just, uh, <laughs> it was fun. Like, I did love it, but then it just become too much for me. And I just couldn't handle that anymore. So then I gradually started... Um, I started, had to relearn DJing, but sober. And that in itself was a massive, massive task. You know, just the confidence of doing that. And it, it was, it sounds stupid. It's, it sounds stupid because it sounds so easy, but it's like, it is actually, when you're so used to doing it one way, to, to break that cycle is hard. And it was always stuff like, all right, I've done my first time at a day event where it's light and everyone can see us and I'm not drinking. And it's like, oh, I've done my first festival, I've done my first live stream. And it was all these different things and I ticked them off and you get more and more comfortable. And then I started dupes playing sober more and more and more. And then it got to like 2018 and I, I just went sober for a year, a complete year. Um, and that changed my life. That was absolutely amazing doing that. And it just changed my relationship with dj and with alcohol and yeah for, for the better and since then it's just been a take it or leave it thing and since and then since then I, I did like another half a year stretch during the pandemic where i was completely sober i've never had a i've never been an addict or anything like that it's always been recreational but it's but then just because it went hand in hand with my job it was like too frequent that then I actually like and it was just like constantly being hung over and then like recovering and stuff like that and then I think doing that uh, stretch being sober definitely had such a profound effect on my career as well because I was just so you're so much more productive so then like say now since the since uh, live music came back post the pandemic I've so I've been playing gigs since it was like July 2021. Um, and I've drank at one gig since then. So I, like, I, I don't really do it ever. And, and that was, I mean, the other night at DC 10, I had two shots with the main guy from DC 10 because I felt obliged and it was just like a shot and that was it. But like, most of the time I'm talking, I have literally nothing. Um, so yeah, and, and that's, that's been the game changer for me. And that, that's something which I'm so glad I've been able to, to do that because I, 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 I know some, some peers and stuff who can't break that cycle. And they, they're always asking, asking me advice. How do you do it? And they're saying like, oh, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. But, and then you see them and they can't get out of it. So like, um, I think... It's good to be able to talk about this because I think quite a lot of people, I like going, I rarely do go raving when I'm not playing, but like I have done it sober as well. And you can have fun like that. It's not just DJing, it's the club inside of it as well. You don't need to be. Like I went to Time Warp and because um, I played the pre-party at Time Warp the night before and I just stayed and went to Time Warp the next day. And I went to Time Warp sober. I wasn't DJing. I was on the floor with a few mates. And uh, I think I stayed until like seven in the morning. I was completely sober. Just on the alcohol-free beers that they do. And I had a mint time. And there's been loads of occasions like that. And I think obviously getting amongst it and stuff is good. And I do think that's helped shape who, who I am. And I've had loads of the best experiences of my life. And musically, I've had loads of good experiences. And now and again, I will still do that very rarely. But I think there's definitely something to be said about sober clubbing and sober DJing as well. Um, 
Yeah, because it can be as fun. And for me, actually, DJ now is more fun because I am because I am sober and taking the moment in. Because usually you just get completely like it numbs you, numbs you at the situation. You're just like a zombie. You're not really taking it in. And I've actually had some experiences where I've I've actually really not enjoyed some dream gigs because I've just been not in the right state of mind. But then when you but when you're sober. Look, you love it and you take it in, you're getting shivers down your body, you get to remember it all, and it's just such an amazing experience. That you can have that on the dance floor as well. I've had that as well. So it's um yeah, that's definitely been something which which I've uh like loved doing and to be honest, it's extended my my career and how much I want to keep doing this because I I, I couldn't continue doing it. Some people seem to take, seem to actually take it in their stride, or at least give off that perception that that they do. But I mean, everyone handles stuff differently. But for for me, I couldn't I couldn't live that life any longer doing that. And then, but then off the back of that, there's just so much of our benefits because you get to be so much more creative. You get to do, you get to spend more time doing productive stuff off it. And then also like I love exercising training going to the gym running stuff like that and i've always been into that i was into that before the djing took off and then it just kind of like my fitness just declined as the career went like that and then now i've got a good balance i'm training all the time when i'm on the when i'm on the road i'm like always looking for gyms or going running around cities and stuff like that and i love i love that type of stuff and i think that always um that always makes us feel really good Someone wrote this about you. Patrick Topping has contributed a constant flow of positivity to the culture. Are you just like buzzing for life most of the time? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I am pretty buzzing most of the time. To be honest, like no, I like, love that. <laughs> I uh, well, I'm living my dream. Do you know what I mean? It, mm. Like it is, it is my dream, and I am so happy to be doing it. And it, it's something I did pursue. It's not something that I fell into, you know what I mean? Like I, I went for this, like I was at university and um, I started doing production on the side whilst I was at university and um, I nearly quit uni because it's a four-year course up in Scotland, in Edinburgh. So I, I nearly quit a few times to concentrate on my music, but I didn't. And then I, I graduated and then I then moved back home into my parents' house and. Um, didn't pursue a proper career I just got a job as a lifeguard and I was just doing as few hours as I can just to get by to live in my mom's house and I was just like really concentrating on making music and it's been something I've wanted to do ever it sounds cliched as well but since I came to Ibiza I came well actually I came in 2001 with my mom on holiday and it was obviously I was only 12 so I wasn't going to the clubs or anything like that but I did actually get photos outside of the clubs and stuff with my mom. But it was when me and Haley came when we were 19 together that I just fell in love with the place. And then I just, ever since then, I just thought to myself, I want to come back here every year. How can I come back here? Like, I can't afford to come here. It is an expensive place. I wanted to come all the time. I just thought the only way really is to be a DJ. So since then, I was just on this path to just to just try and become a DJ. That's that's when I went home and... Um, I started, I started learning to DJ. I, um, it was my mate's 21st birthday party and I learned to DJ for that. And uh, that was actually that I played and it was at a working men's club outside of Newcastle that my dad was managing at the time. And working men's clubs are like rough as fuck, old-fashioned bars. Um, so... Yeah, it's a bit of a shit place to DJ for your, for your first time, but at the time it was class. And um, and so there, then it's just been snowballing from there. So to be doing what I'm doing, I, I am so grateful for it. And um, yeah, I, 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 I do really enjoy it. And then now I'm getting more of a, a balance as well with the health side as well. And just with my work-life balance as well, I'm starting to get more, more of a balance of that. And it, because, because I love what I'm doing, it's so easy to be a workaholic, you know what I mean? Because it's just a passion. You just so you just end up putting like every, all the hours and all day and all different projects that you're doing, and um, yeah, it's just a pleasure to be to, to be doing it. So yeah, I am buzzing, but I am human as well. I'm not buzzing all the time. Like I am, 
I do have anxieties and I do get um, overwhelmed by stuff and have have my own moments and everything like that. And but but yeah, overall, I would say yeah, I'm a, I am a positive person. Mm. And with those moments where you are kind of working through an anxiety, have you found anything that kind of works for you? Like, how do you cope with, for example, the highs and lows of like a big performance? Um, how do you cope? Yeah. Well, it's more just uh, meeting stuff head on. I find, you know, not like putting stuff off, just like going and trying to resolve something straight away instead of ruminating on something. And then like maybe it's coming to false conclusions about what's been happening and all that. That's, you know, that always seems to make it worse. So it's just kind of meet things head on and just not be afraid to like square things, square things off. Or that helps me so much with performing. Um, the performance side of being on a stage and people looking at you and stuff like that, I really enjoy it. It's kind of like second, second nature to us now. I, 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 I rarely get nervous for gigs and I do, I do, I do sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, I've been, been doing it for a while now and I've done, I've done so many gigs. I, I, I really enjoy that side of it. And I think once you take out any, intoxicated on anything and you just and yourself I think that becomes a lot easier to to get to get confidence because you're not relying on a crutch for confidence and you get actual confidence and I think yeah I think not just in DJing but just in life doing that doing that yeah sober really grew me as a person because have to go and do a speech as a best man at a wedding and not have a drink or you know what I mean or just stuff, stuff like that or do like a an interview with someone and stuff and it just it really makes you grow as a person going out of your comfort zone like that but I think with uh with DJing and performing um I do I do get nervous now and again but it has to be something like trying to think of the last time I was really really nervous there is examples. It was there was one recently, but is yeah, I, I can't think. Um, I can't. I, I can't think. Even for Glastonbury, <laughs> yeah. climbing up. Weren't you playing in the, um, the the stage that you have to like yeah. climb into? Yeah, but you know what? I'll be honest with you on that one. Like I, I'm saying, I'm sober most gigs, but I wasn't at Glastonbury because it, it's it's like the one time a year where I allow myself to just like let loose because. All my friends go, loads of people from the industry go and hang out. And it's, and a lot of artists seem to, to let loose there as well. So it, it, I was slightly nervous actually because it was going on after Calvin Harris, which was just mind blowing to me, closing arcade on a Saturday night. So that was one where I was slightly nervous. But I think had I been sober, I would have been pro- probably more nervous. But because I because I was I wasn't I was flying it but it was it was dumbed down a little bit. One thing that has kind of changed massively since even the start of your career is that like social media has such a big presence in electronic music now, um, and I feel like you do a really good job of like managing yours and growing your presence. Do, does that feel like pressure? Does it? Do you feel pressure from having a large following? Like, what do you like about it, and what could you sort of live without? Oh, yes, I'm glad, I'm glad you think so because I'll be honest with you, I put a lot of time into social media, more than I like, more than I would like to. Um, well, it wasn't always more than I would like to. It was because I, I do all my own social media myself and I always have. I don't, oh, wow. have, a so, I don't have a social media manager. Okay. I've done it, I've done it all myself, uh, even to the point where like my tour manager, he would take photos and videos he would send me them and I would spend hours sitting through them all editing them down to the right clips and everything like that and I would get it exactly because I want to showcase what music I want because if someone else is just putting out too much techno and you're like no it's not the set wasn't that dark you know what I mean like I know what I want because it's kind of like DJing in a way you know what I mean you're like you're putting together different bits of media together to Put, put out an overall stories I think like with the, that's why I've always been so involved in it and it, it, it it's so important now isn't it the, the the social media and I've always I do enjoy it 
I, I, uh, I do enjoy it and I do enjoy interacting with people on there as well and I enjoy putting it all together. And, um, but my um, management can't believe like how, how long I've been doing it for. And I'm actually, as we speak, in the middle of an employee and I've actually just taken someone on this week. Even this morning, we've been talking about how it's going to work and all this. And so I've got now someone on my team who's going to help do that. And we don't know how exactly it's going to work out, but we're guessing that he's going to be working between two and four days a week. But we're going to have it on the clock and we're going to see, see how much it is. But imagine if he's working four days a week, right? That's how much time I've been putting into it. You know what I mean? That's loads of time. And I was actually okay with that for years because the way I made music was I used to just take off one or two months at the start of every year, just a block where I would make all my music for the year then. And I would only make music whilst I was touring if it was a deadline for a remix because a remix is easier. You've got the parts, you've got the, you've got the pressure of the deadline you have to deliver. But when it was original work, I felt amongst touring, social media and the business side of running everything, I couldn't actually have the time to do it or the creative capacity to do it. But I actually had an epiphany in January when I was in the studio. I was like, I really enjoy making music now because I've always enjoyed it, but it's been a struggle hard to make music. It's not something that comes naturally to me. I have to really spend a lot of time grafting away to get something I like. I, I can't just go in and just bang a song out in an hour. Like, I'm not like that. Anyway, I had this epiphany in January. I was saying I'm more comfortable at making music and I actually enjoy it more. So now I can see myself taking it beyond this little period at the start of the year. And I, wanted, I want to do it intermittently between gigs and all throughout the year. I want to be making music all year round. Because what I found was when I was doing it for two months and then having 10 months touring and then going back, you'd have to relearn stuff technically, creatively to get back in the flow. And you're just like one step forward, one step back. And it was just, I was happy doing that, but I'm not anymore. And now I'm at this point also where I'm actually started working on my debut album because I'm enjoying making music so much. So then that has then affected my relationship with uh, social media. So now I'm like, ah, I don't want to be doing social media all year round. I want to be doing my album. So that's why it's flipped now for me. But it's took a long time to get to this point. And um, to be honest, I think because it's so important in an artist now, social media, I'm glad that I did do it that way. I mean, I'm really happy with, with, with my career. So, I mean, I wouldn't change anything. If, but yeah, so my my personal relationship with it is actually changing as we speak. Um, I'm still going to be involved. Like I'm still going to be help uh, creating, signing off on captions and creating captions. But some people might give some input on ideas on them. And then I'm still going to be signing off on content. But I, I won't be spending five hours editing down vi videos and then and then another two hours posting them on all channels because it literally takes that long to do to do all that. Um, I, I will there'll be someone helping us do someone doing like the heavy lifting, and I'll still be involved in the creative side of it. So I think I'm looking forward to that because I just think it's going to open up my eyes to then focusing on the wider picture and being more creative and being more of an artist, which is what it's all about, really, for for me. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. But generally with social media, I hate to say it, but I actually think that it's almost more, in, not for me personally, when, I, when, I look, when I'm looking at music for Trip, I listen to music blind because there's so many. I don't read the stuff. I just go straight for the link and I'll just listen. I won't know anything about the person, who they are, what the social media is like, because I'm not even clicking on it. If I like it, it comes into my set and I start playing it. And then I just make a decision based on if I'm playing it, I'll be like, oh, I want to sign this. So then I'll be like, right, okay. I'll then go find the person and speak to them. And it doesn't matter if they don't have a good social media. There's loads of people I've released music from. And some of them didn't even have a social media at that point. They were like, all right, I'll get one now then because this is my debut release and stuff. But if someone does have a good one, 
it is helpful when you're then going to promote the music. Definitely, you can see it does help the music massively. But I'm not basing who I'm signing on the record label based on the social media at all. But it's just a bonus after the fact of being signed. You know what I mean? But that's me personally. But I just I do see the way the industry is and who who I see blowing up and who isn't blown up, who might who might be an unreal artist. I actually think that personality seems to be outweighing music in uh, in a lot of cases in in who is becoming the next big thing. It's quite sad, I think, but that I feel that is the reality in a, in a lot of cases. You've got to get the music right. If you get the music right and then you get the social media right as well, then it's game over, isn't it? You aren't a winner, but it's it's really interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think there's a few takeaways for artists who are listening to this, who are taking their first steps into music. Um, one is hearing that you have run your own social media up until this point has actually blown my mind because I would not have guessed that. <laughs> but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense knowing that. Um, and I think it's really important for younger artists to hear about how much effort you've put in to maintaining that following and speaking with your fans directly um, and how much time and work that takes um, but also that there's options to like work with the team on that if someone's like really confident in their music but they're not so confident on socials there's like ways around it and it shouldn't hold yeah. you back I think yeah I think definitely like whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're getting a team to help you do it, you've got to go in on your social media in this, in this day and age. Absolutely. Um, do you have any tips for new artists in terms of balancing music, life and social media? Well, I think not getting so involved in, in partying and like, there's something to be said about networking and like getting involved in your local scene and getting to know to meet people. And like maybe starting your own event and promoting it because then you get to know artists and booking agents and maybe record label owners and stuff like that. And then you can like send your music to them and stuff like that. I think that that's can definitely be a good way of, of doing it. And uh, but also not get too caught up in that because I think mainly the main thing you've got to get is production. It's so hard to break through. Is it? It's just a DJ, isn't it? So like the more time into production then I think like yeah that obviously the social media as well there's some people who get a big social media beforehand and and then the music follows I, I don't know there's loads of ways to do it but yeah mm -hmm. mm. well thank you so much for talking to me today it's been really interesting to hear all about your journey and behind the scenes a little bit um do you have any info on your album that you can share with us <laughs> oh yeah um I've just released a track called Shake My Booty. I think that's probably going to be the first song from the album. That's probably the first like single from the album. And I've got another two singles coming out, one on the 29th of July. But actually, the one might be moving the dates. But at the minute, it's the 29th of July. And then I've got another single coming on the 2nd of September. So one called Get Up and one called Keep On Moving. And I'm so excited about Keep On Moving because I think Keep On Moving is this, this is my favorite thing I've ever made. So I'm so excited to get to get that out. And um, these are just housey stuff. Like I've gone back to making house music because I think that is my default when I make music and when I play music. But I I like to play loads of different styles. I like to... I like to um, I like to play house, tech house, disco, techno, hard house, Midlands bass line stuff like pop, pop edits, bits of trance. I, I like the I like to be quite eclectic, and I think that's what trick is about as well. And I think with the with the uh, events in a and stuff as well, I think we are quite unique in a in that sense because I think a lot of parties in a and a lot of record labels which is fine. It's so good doing this, being subgenre specific and really nailing that sound. That's amazing. I love that. I, I, I could go to those nights and I listen to that type of music and I love that. 
But that's really not what we're doing with Trek. It's like trying to be more eclectic than and um, kind of it is based in house and techno, and but like also with a kind of a lot of rave music and like anything goes and stuff like that. So I think w- with me as well, I've been on a kind of journey since I started Trick. So I was releasing with Hot Creations and Relief and stuff, kind of vocally tech house stuff and that. So then when I started Trick, I kind of wiped the slate clean and I just put out like three techno tracks as an EP. And I was buzzing because I had people like Joseph Capriati and Adam Bay and people like that playing it. And I, I was buzzing about that. So I kind of like continued that for a bit and experimented on different stuff. But then now I feel I've done that because I wanted to show that I wasn't just about like vocally tech house stuff. So then, but now I've done that, I feel free now. And I'm like, so, but I think my default setting is to just do house music. So that's what I'm doing with my album. My album is um, house music. And because of the pa- in the pandemic, it was, it was such a mad experience, wasn't it? So I, a lot of the time I would be searching for the media, which was uplifting to just take it and, and give you that energy. And that's what this album is, is about for me. It's just energetic, fun house music. I just want someone to just be able to put it on and it just lift the energy for an hour and just be good, good vibes. And that's basically what I'm doing with the album. And I've so far I've made five tracks and I've got, I'm working on the sixth one and I've got the whole album planned out in, in, in my head. And hopefully I can, um, hopefully I can do that. And, and get it out within the, within the next year. Ooh, exciting! <laughs> Thank you for the sneaky album info, <laughs> and I hope that you have an amazing summer in Ibiza. Thank you again for talking to me, and yeah, best of luck in Ibiza. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having us on this. It's been really fun. Cheers. Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with Patrick Topping. Our full archive is available for you to take in any time that you like. If you did enjoy this episode, you might like to listen to DEE in conversation with Tash LC live from Outlook Festival. That one is up on all your favourite podcast platforms right now. Until next time, take care. Thank you.